Well, it's been a joy to sing with you all this new year. What a great way to start the new year is singing about the glory of Jesus and how all glory goes to him. It'd also be my joy if you'd join me in Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Someone asked me, Lance, what are you preaching on tomorrow? And I said, well, it's going to be the five steps to the new me in 23. And that person said, well, I can't wait to get to work. That's a joke. If you have been around Christ Fellowship too long, you know that we're not here today for five easy steps, some new initiatives, some new tasks to take, some new plans to lay down, some resolutions to make. But we're here to do what we do every Sunday, and that is to behold the King of glory, to behold King Jesus, because the Bible says, as we behold him, we become like him. And the goal of every heart in here should be, not only do I want to behold Jesus, but I want to be made like Jesus. And so we, we pray together as we hear God's word that God would work in our hearts, that we might behold him, see him clearly, and treasure him today. Luke 19 says this, starting in verse 28, it says, And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany, at the mount that's called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet set. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? You shall say this, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus. And throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees And the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you on every side and tear you to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask that this morning you would not only, Lord, give me the words to say, would your spirit speak through me, but Lord, that you would give us all eyes to hear, eyes to see 
the glory of Jesus. The glory of Jesus that can overwhelm any sin in our lives, that can overwhelm any temptation of this world, anything that we might think that is better than Jesus, Lord, that your heart, that, Lord, you would move in our hearts, that we might behold Jesus and rejoice in Jesus and become like Jesus. Lord, that's our prayer this morning. That's our prayer this year. That's our prayer in our lives. Lord, help us see Jesus. Because, Lord, if we miss Jesus, we miss everything. And so, Lord, we, 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 we beg you, help us see Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we all have some, some fears of missing out. Or, or FOMO, as the kids call it these days. Every single one of us, we, we get worried about missing out on something that we think in the moment it really, really matters. But we see our friends at an event, which right now and you can get on your social media and you can do this all the time. We, we wish that we were there with them. We want to be at a friend's wedding. We want to be at that big concert in the stadium. We, we want to be in that local festival. We, we'd like to be a part of Times Square on New Year's Eve. Maybe not. That looks a little much. What do you think? Maybe I'm, Some of you all, you introverts, are like, you all extroverts are crazy. Wanting to beat all this stuff. We want to be in the, in the room when the final seconds of the game happen, when, when they throw the Hail Mary, when they shoot, shoot in the buzzer beater. Or, one of my pet peeves, when you take your kids to the movie, and for some reason your kids have to go to the bathroom like in the final minutes of the movie. It's like, the worst moment. You're like, they're going to say something that means everything. The, the turn, the twist, it's going to happen right now, and we're going to the restroom. <laughs> when the reality is that th there is no event that you could miss today that would probably matter in eternity. Th there's, there should be no fear of missing out when, when really moments later you won't even miss what happened. Yet there, there's one moment that if you missed it today, it would matter for all eternity. Not one moment, but, but one person that you could miss on this side of eternity that would matter forever and ever and ever. The greatest tragedy in the world today is missing Jesus. That is the tragedy of our day, is missing Jesus. Jesus, the greatest tragedy for any of us today, for this new year, should be going through your life and missing out on seeing Jesus. I mean, you can literally experience everything in this life. You could be present for every championship game. You could have a ticket and witness every great concert. You could watch every thrilling movie at the movie theater, take in every breathtaking vacation on every island. Behold, every natural wonder of the world. Yet if you miss Jesus, you miss everything. 
If you miss Jesus, you miss absolutely everything. I'm not a huge World Cup fan. I don't know if people watched a lot of soccer. I don't really watch a lot of soccer. But if you saw the final seconds of the Argentinian victory, what would you, what word would you put on that moment? What took place in that stadium when they won the World Cup? It would be worship. That's what happened at the end of the World Cup. People were overwhelmed with emotion, and there was weeping, and there was rejoicing, and there was dancing for soccer. While people miss Jesus and yawn at Jesus, the the only one who's worthy of that type of worship. And this is what's happening in Luke chapter 19 because Jesus has come to the place that he's been heading, heading all along. He has come to Jerusalem. And Jesus is arriving in Jerusalem and it's crystal clear that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah, the King they have been waiting for. This is called the triumphal entry. It's Recorded in all four Gospels. And if there's an event recorded in all four Gospels, every Gospel writer is saying, you have to see this. It's the moment where the Gospel writers capture that the King has come. The King is entering into Jerusalem. And some people clearly grasp that this King is the one that they've been waiting for, while other people miss Him. Some miss the Messiah, the the one that they have been waiting for forever, the one that your heart has been longing for. And, And this morning, I don't want any of us to miss the King. My prayer for each and every one of us is that none of us would miss King Jesus. Both now, both today, both this year, and for all eternity, that you would see and behold Jesus. And that's what the Word of God, that's what the Spirit of God is inviting you today. Inviting you to King Jesus now and forever. The first thing that our passage invites us to in here is to behold the King. To behold the king. As as Jesus enters in headlong into Jerusalem, again, he's not running from trouble. No, he is running and hunting down, you read the Gospels, the cross in Jerusalem. And as he's doing this, we see Jesus as the sovereign king who is put on display. We see it first in his divine wisdom. His sovereignty, his providence in this moment because he sends two disciples on on ahead of him into the village. And he tells these disciples in verse 30, he says this, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever set. Untie it and bring it here. And he says, when you're there, if someone asks you why you need it, Tell them, the Lord has need of it. Now, there's no indications of 
prior arrangements being made in any of the Gospels. Nothing in the Gospel says that Jesus went ahead into the village and put a down payment on a donkey. No, this is a clear picture that the Lord is sovereign over all things. The Lord is sovereign over everything. The Lord is all-knowing, and He knows exactly what He needs. And in His providence, He provides it for Himself. So the passage says the disciples go ahead into the village. And and in verse 32, it says, So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. Just as he had told them. Just as he had promised them. The, The king of kings who reigns over all things. Who knows all things. Who can do all things. He can move heaven and earth to get a donkey on which no one has ever sat. And you might ask, well, why a donkey? Like, why does he need a new colt that nobody has ever been on before, that no one's ever ridden before? Why be so specific? Well, it's made a lot more explicit in the other gospels that were written to Jewish audiences. To all the Jews who were standing there worshiping Jesus that day, to to the Pharisees even who were standing by, they knew exactly the statement that was being made here. See, 400 to 500 years prior to this, the prophet Zechariah wrote of this day that was promised. This day that Jesus was going to come to Jerusalem. In Zechariah, the people of Israel have returned to the promised land. They've come back, but things aren't quite how they left them. No, the the city, the temple, everything is in shambles. Everything is a mess in Jerusalem. And and really, as you read the prophets, Israel and God's, God's people were in shambles. They were still being oppressed by nations all around them. They were still in captivity in their own hearts. And it's in that moment of feeling frantic, in that moment of sensing oppression from surrounding nations, in that moment of life being overwhelming that we read this verse in Zechariah chapter 9 about the coming Messiah Listen to this verse in Zechariah chapter 9. It says this, Rejoice greatly. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humbled and mounted on a donkey. On a colt, the foal of a donkey. Listen, there is zero doubt among the multitudes that that they were witnessing the moment where this prophecy was fulfilled. They were seeing this in light of this, uh, in light of Zechariah chapter 9. They were seeing Jesus riding in on a donkey and it was loud and clear. This is the Messiah. This is the Messiah. This is the one that we've been promised. 
Oh, Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. The king you've been waiting for, the the peace you've longed for, the salvation you've needed. Don't miss the Messiah. Don't miss the king of kings. Don't miss Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Now, now we might not experience the same kind of oppression that the Jewish people experienced from Babylon. We might not even experience what the Jews were feeling, overwhelmed by the Romans in the first century. But life is still frantic. Life is still frantic for you and for me. Life can still be overwhelming. There are people in here who've experienced great suffering this year. This past year, we we have felt the the feeling of being enslaved to sin. We felt the feeling of this world being relentless, of, of temptation being real, of the tax being real, of, of depression or anxiety, a lot of that being feeling real to us. Life is overwhelming. But as one pastor said, life is overwhelming. Be overwhelmed by the right things. Life is overwhelming. Be overwhelmed by the right things. And what I want to invite you to today is to be overwhelmed with the glory of King Jesus. That that like the, the crowds, you would behold King Jesus. More than anything else, let the incomparable glory and grace and beauty of King Jesus be the thing that overwhelms you. More than your bills, more than your parenting, more, more than your sickness, more than your job, more than your school, more than suffering. More than what other people are saying about you, let the glory of Jesus overwhelm. Let the incomparable glory of Jesus be the thing that overwhelms you, that captures your attention, that, that captures your affection. Hear God's word today say to you, Christ Fellowship, Christ Fellowship. Behold, your king has come. Your king has come to you righteous and having salvation is he. I know that life can be overwhelming, but but nothing is more overwhelming than catching a glimpse of Jesus. Listen, nothing is more overwhelming than catching a glimpse of Jesus. Nothing is more captivating than beholding His glory, than receiving His grace, than knowing His mercy that's new every morning, than knowing His compassionate heart. Nothing is more captivating than beholding the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And our hearts have to believe that. Nothing. Nothing. 
Now, beholding your king is not something that just happens. Beholding Jesus takes intentionality. It, it takes resolve. It takes waking up and looking at him first thing in the morning. I have to see Jesus. As Psalm 90 verse 40, 14 says, Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. So we have to have a plan. Lord, I want to wake up to behold your glory. I don't want to be distracted. I want to open your word and behold your glory. More than anything, I want to see you today. On Sunday, I want to be gathered with God's people every Sunday. Why? Because on Sunday, they're going to look at Jesus together. And I have to be there to see Jesus. I want to be there to see Jesus. I don't want to be anywhere else but beholding the glory of the king. So the first thing we see is behold your king. The second thing we see is rejoice in the king. It's not enough just to look at Jesus. Once we see Jesus, our lips must overflow with praise. Our passage says that that the the disciples, they take off their cloaks and they spread it over to, to make a throne on this donkey for King Jesus. And then the passage says they start laying their cloaks over the road as the donkey goes. And the word of God is saying they are giving Jesus the red carpet treatment. They're giving the king of kings the red carpet treatment as he comes into Jerusalem. And the word of God says in verse 37, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice. They began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. As Jody said earlier, this is an echo of Psalm 118. An echo of a psalm that God's people would sing entering into the city after victory. They They were rejoicing in the steadfast love of the Lord. And and the people of God would sing Psalm 18 as they entered into the city for festivals, as they entered in for the Passover, as they went up to the temple. And Psalm 118.26 says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who who comes in the name of the Lord. But that's not what they shout on this day. On this day, they shout, Blessed is the King. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. That their hearts that have always gone up to Jerusalem singing about His steadfast love, Their hearts that have always gone hoping that one day the Messiah comes. Today they shout, blessed is he. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Their hearts are overwhelmed by the glory of Jesus. The passage says their hearts are overwhelmed because of all the mighty works that they have seen. The years now of the lame walking and the blind seeing and the demons cast out and the dead rising. That they are overwhelmed by all that he's done. 
They're overwhelmed by who he is. And they're overwhelmed by what he has come to do. To bring peace. To bring righteousness. To bring salvation. To the Jewish people. To the people of God. See, they knew that Jesus was the promised king who was bringing peace. They just didn't know how that was about to happen. See, they knew that Jesus, the promised king, was bringing peace. They just didn't know that five days later, it was going to be hanging on a cross. Making peace by the blood of the cross. They believed that he was the righteous king. They just didn't know that five days later, he would be taking all our sins and giving us all that perfect righteousness for our own account. They believed that this king was coming to bring salvation for his people, but they didn't see and they didn't know that in seven days from now, Early Sunday morning, the king would rise from the dead, bringing salvation to any who would confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead. And yet it's incredible because their hearts are overwhelmed, overflowing with praise for the coming king. And it's amazing that their hearts are overflowing on that side of the cross. But before the resurrection of Jesus. While all too often we can stand on this side of the cross. On this side of the empty tomb yawning. Our hearts can grow cold at the glory and the grace and the peace and the beauty that comes in Jesus Christ. Even early on the first day of the year when we stayed up all night long, our hearts can grow cold this morning and apathetic to the most beautiful thing, the most glorious thing in all the world, the glory of Jesus. You know, one thing's for sure is that heaven will be overwhelmed with this glory. That that. Heaven will never be silent, but will be overflowing with praise for Jesus. The the Bible says in Revelation that all of heaven will be seen. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. You know, we'll get up on Monday morning in heaven and we will sing worthy is the lamb and and we'll shout and be filled with praise on Monday and Tuesday and every day and it will never grow old and it will never grow untrue because every day Jesus will be worthy. Every day from now and forever, Jesus will will be worthy. And that means right now, in this very second, in this very moment, as Jesus reigns in heaven, He is worthy. He is worthy of all your affection and all your attention. He's worthy of you giving Him all praise and all glory from your lips right now. 
the Pharisees are standing by and they understand the statement being made. They, they understand loud. They had read their Bibles. They knew Zechariah 9. They knew that this is the Messiah. That's what's being said here. And so they tell Jesus, they say, teacher, not king, not Lord. They say, teacher, rebuke your disciples. What does Jesus say? I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Creation's going to sing. He could silence every lip of man. But listen, Jesus is going to get the glory that he's due. Mark it down. Jesus is going to get the glory that he's due. No self-righteous Pharisee can silence the praise of Jesus. No sin of this world can take away from the glory of Jesus. Nobody rejecting Jesus in our day can take away that he is the name that is above every other name and worthy of all praise. Listen, King Jesus is going to get the praise that he's due The question is, are you going to be a part of the choir? Listen, Jesus is going to get the praise that he's due. The question is, are you going to be a part of the choir? Are you going to join the song of the redeemed? Singing, blessed is the king who comes. Blessed is the king who comes, peace and glory In the highest, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive all of this, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing in all of me. Why wait till heaven to sing of the glory of Jesus? What if 2023 was the loudest year of your life? Like, what if 2023, what if if your resolution was to rejoice, to to not postpone joy, but to find all your joy in Jesus and to rejoice in who he is and what he has done for you? Behold the king. Rejoice in the king. Bless the king. And then finally, we read, We are invited to weep with the king. The book of Luke is unique because it's the only gospel that records this last moment. The only gospel that records this last moment. Our our story doesn't end with the rejoicing of the disciples, but with the weeping of the king. The camera pans from joyful crowds to the sorrowful Savior King overlooking the city. In that moment, the the Messiah is now overwhelmed. The Messiah is the one who's now overwhelmed. And it's not with rejoicing. He's overwhelmed that God's waiting people are missing Him. Listen, when you read the Gospels, this isn't just a good story. The These tears are not artificial. Jesus didn't start crying for dramatic effect. 
Jesus isn't thinking, you know what, this is going to make a great scene when they make the chosen one day in 2022. Like, this will make a great scene. No, this is really Jesus weeping. Or it could be translated wailing. As he looks over the city that would not receive him, but reject him. The words that flow from his heart are are the sounds of a, a weeping prophet. A broken lament. In verse 42, he says, Would that you, even you, had known of this day the, the things that make for peace. It's a broken heart crying out, if only. Like, if only you knew. If only you could see. If only you knew who I am. Your hearts for years have been begging and pleading and waiting on the King to come. And I'm here if only you saw me. If only you knew what was about to happen on the cross. If only you knew the victory that would come three days later. If only. And yet the King says that judgment is coming for those who reject Him. Who He says in Verse 44, didn't know the time of their visitation. The king is really weeping for God's people who are waiting for their king, but who miss him. They had missed the moment of the Messiah. And as we said earlier, if you miss him, you miss everything. If you miss him, you miss everything. If you miss that Jesus is the King of kings, worthy of everything, you miss everything. If you miss that Jesus is the Savior King who died on the cross for your sins, you miss everything. If you miss that He's the resurrected King that rose from the grave, that you might have new life in Him, then you miss everything. I don't care where you live or or what you own or what you drive or where you work or who you know. If you miss Jesus, you miss everything. This week I was finishing my yearly Bible reading in Revelation. And you know there's another day coming where King Jesus is riding into town. This is what we read in Revelation chapter 19. It says, then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty, 
on his robe and on his thigh, his, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Christ Fellowship, on that day, there will be no missing the Messiah. On that day, there will be no questioning whether or not this is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There'll be no asking, is this the one? Should we just keep looking? No, everyone will know him. Every eye will see him. Every heart will know it is him. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You know, I learned this week that there's a chapel built on this very spot on the outside of Jerusalem. It's a chapel built on the side of the Mount of Olives where where Jesus was overlooking the city. And the chapel's architecture, it's built to resemble a teardrop. It's named Dominus Flevit which in Latin means the the Lord wept. Here's a chapel built to remember that Jesus wept for those who did not receive him, but who rejected him. And as I was hearing about that and studying this passage this week, I thought, you know, when's the last time that I wept? Not because someone rejected me, but because someone rejected Jesus. When's the last time it broke my heart that there were people that live near me, that work in our jobs, that go to the same stores we shop in, that take class on the same campus that we go to, that right now, if they were to die, they would be separated for all eternity from Jesus Christ. When's the last time that I've been broken that there are billions of people who've never heard of the name of King Jesus? When's the last time we've been broken over lostness? So I've been praying this week, what what if this year, this passage, this triumphal entry of Jesus actually shaped our lives? Yes, what if we spent this year beholding Jesus more than any other year before? And what if this year we spent time rejoicing in Jesus, blessing Jesus more than any other year before? But but what what if we spent this year broken over people who don't have Jesus? What would it look like if Christ's fellowship was a city on a hill, a church overlooking Bowling Green that was both rejoicing at the ridiculous glory and grace that we've seen and found and received in Jesus and at the same time was broken for the lostness around us. Like what would happen in a church when both of those things are equally a reality for us? The rejoicing in Jesus and the weeping with Jesus for those who don't know him.
That's the invitation today. It's the invitation of our passage as Jesus has come to show that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's to not miss the Messiah. Will you behold him in all his glory? Or will this year be another year you're distracted by everything else but Jesus? Will you rejoice and praise the name that is above every other name? Or will you be silent like everybody else? Will we weep with those who reject Jesus? Weep for those who reject Jesus, who miss Jesus, who miss this Jesus that we treasure above all things, and who miss Jesus, and if they miss him now, they'll miss him for all eternity. Or will we be more upset that we're missing out on something that really, in light of eternity, won't really matter? I pray that our hearts will be captivated by beholding Jesus. And rejoicing in Jesus and weeping and praying and pleading that those around us might see Jesus and behold his glory too. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you have called our church to be a city on a hill. A city on a hill that beholds the glory of Jesus the incomparable glory of Jesus, that there is no king, no savior king that is more beautiful, that is more glorious, that has been more gracious to sinners than King Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would make us a church, a city on a hill that is rejoicing in Jesus, that 2023 will be the loudest year of our church where the rejoicing in who Jesus is and what he has done for us, Lord, grows louder and louder as we behold our King. But Lord, I pray that our hearts would also be broken for those who don't know Jesus. For neighbors, Lord, who today, if they were to die, they would go and spend eternity without Jesus with friends or family members or co-workers, friends in our neighborhood here, Lord, friends on campus, Lord, nations, tribes, tongues that have never heard the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray that we would weep with Jesus, that we would pray to Jesus, and we would plead that people would see Jesus. And that we would share Jesus, Lord. And even as Pastor Joel prayed earlier, that this year we would see more and more people confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead. Lord, would you do this for the glory of your name? Lord, that's why we want this more than anything. We don't care if our church grows at all compared to the glory of Jesus. We want Jesus to get all the glory and all the praise that he's due. Lord, we don't want it to leave it to the rocks to cry out. Lord, we want to cry out that you are worthy of all praise. Lord, we pray this in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.